Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Snacks 71.6. I continue to be your host, Snackmaster Andrew. And this week, we've got... Okay, I am coming right out the gate by sharing this podcast news. It's meta news. December, I've decided I've worked out with my variety of guest reporters. I've worked out that December is going to be the month of guest reporters. Each week, each episode, I won't be reviewing anything. I will be hosting a guest reporter and they will bring something to the table. I've got a real nice long interview with a certain special guest reporter who we have not heard from yet. And let me just say, it's this specific episode that we've already recorded is something to look forward to. It goes back to classic Snacks 71.6 Roots. I say it goes back to the roots when this tree is only a mere four months old. That's right, baby. This is our four-month anniversary. Four months isn't really, like, a major milestone or anything, but I just... This is episode 16, and I release once a week, so... This is four months, baby. Anyways... On to the real snack news. As the weather outside becomes truly autumnal, the products inside are already looking towards the Christmas season. We've shot straight past Thanksgiving. No snacks for Thanksgiving. Instead, we're looking at... First, Little Debbie has... So the best part of, like, any grade school function was those little sort of cakes. They call them cakes. And I guess it's, like, two layers of angel cake with some deliciously wonderful cream in between. And then just an absolute copious amount of frosting over it. I hesitate to call them cakes, but that's the best we got, so... The best part of any grade school function was when, you know, whoever wasn't, like, whichever parent of the class didn't feel like making anything. Like, you know, Christmas party, everyone has to bring in a snack for the class. Someone's parents didn't have the time or energy or desire to cook something. So they go to the store and they buy two or three packs of Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes. Well, they're making that in ice cream. That's right. They are making the Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes into an ice cream. It is specifically a rich vanilla flavor from the ice cream mixed with chunks of that soft, delicious, spongy cake. 
and the ice cream has the red icing and those green sprinkles all throughout the ice cream to really secure the visual aesthetic. I have done a little digging and I've yet to actually see any pictures of it because it hasn't released, but they haven't done. Even though it's dropping November 1st exclusively at Walmart, it's like we're only two weeks away, but I still haven't actually seen any pictures of the ice cream itself. Like no press release or anything, just the tub. Uh, speaking of its availability, it's exclusively at Walmart, again, and it is only available in single pint-sized containers at 2 bucks 50 per. So, it's not the cheapest ice cream, but if it tastes even a fraction like the actual Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes, get, load up on them. Fill your freezer with these bad boys. Oh man, I'm just just thinking about these. Just thinking about them. The the memory of the taste is amazing. Ah, oh, I can only imagine what an actual ice cream made out of this stuff would taste like. That's the part that appeals the most to me. It's like um. Perry's. Perry's ice cream, that's what I was thinking of. It's like Perry's ice cream birthday cake flavor. How there are actual pieces of cake sprinkled throughout it. It, and so that's like my favorite ice cream flavor. Is specifically Perry's birthday cake ice cream. And if Lil Debbie can even hold an ice cream scoop to that, then it is 100% worth the 250 per pint. Snack master of the future here to say, yes, I missed the opportunity to say if it holds a birthday candle to it. And I am just as disappointed in myself as you are. But speaking of the holiday season, a traditional drink is hot chocolate, hot cocoa. And when you have hot cocoa, of course, you have to have whipped cream and a marshmallow on top. But what if you what if you're not a fan of whipped cream? Well, first off, you're insane. But if you want to really just load up on the hot chocolate flavor, Swiss Miss has got your back. They are rolling out available mid-November, so we're about one month away from Swiss Miss's first unveiling of the new Ready Whip Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa flavor. It is available exclusively at Walmart, again, for $3.98 per can, or at Sam's Club for $5.98 for a two-pack. It's exclusively with the Walton family, though, and I'm as as excited as I was for a little Debbie ice cream. On the flip side, I'm rather hesitant for hot cocoa flavor whipped cream. 
Because, like... I feel like that's just gonna be too much. It's gonna be too overpowering. If you have Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa with Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa Ready Whip, it's gonna be too much. It's gonna be overpowering. But, exclusive insider information I've got for you. It's 15 calories per serving. That's all I've got, though. PR representatives don't actually talk to me, because I'm still a nobody. But, I am able to glean from looking at other press releases and combining information and looking at the photos that they're given, I'm able to glean information that they don't find fitting to report on. For example, each can is 425 grams. It's 15 calories per serving. It is, I mean, okay. This article really doesn't need to mention this, but this whipped cream is gluten-free. If there is a whipped cream that has gluten in it, actually please tell me. Not just for allergenic reasons, but because I want to know how do you mess up that bad? How do you somehow incorporate gluten, the, the protein chain in, like, wheat and grains into cream. How do you mess up that bad? That's what I want to know. So if any of you listening find this holy grail glutinous whipped cream, let me know. Send me, send me a link to that product. I'm actually more interested in that than I am in the Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa Ready Whip. And that's like the sixth time I've said the full name. Because I really want to, I really want to hammer in. Like, when they do these promotional flavors for any product, when they do the crossover promotional between brands kind of thing, every time it's mentioned, it's a, like, a pronoun is never used. It's never... It has this. This product tastes like that. Every single time they mention it, they have to say, Swiss Miss Hot Cocoa Flavored Ready Whip. And I, I, I find that actually like really funny. And if I were an actual journalist who had to report on this, I'd find it obnoxious. But as someone who does this for fun, it's pretty funny. And this one isn't really, this isn't related at all, but special guest reporter Sam sent me this. Frito-Lay is making a new kettle-cooked flavor that is buffalo chicken dip flavor. As, uh, let's say, as a regional, as an expert on buffalo flavoring, buffalo sauce flavoring, both special guest reporter Sam and I have a vested interest in how well this product manages to capture the flavor. If we want to try it though, I'm unable to, but she will have to travel to Subway. That's right. This product is not available at Walmart. No, no. It is exclusively at Subway restaurants. 
I assume that it's the same price as like a regular bag of chips there, but yeah. Only at Subway can you get the new 1.375 ounce bag of Lay's Buffalo Chicken Dip flavored chips. And hey, while you're there picking up these uh, Buffalo Chicken Dip chips, Buffalo Chicken Chips, that really bothers me because chicken dip, the a spoon, like the, the portmanteau would be chip. But these are chips. So I can't say buffalo chip chips. I can't say buffalo chips because that's wrong. That's just flagrantly not what this is. But I can't say buffalo chip chips because that's just not good. That's not good content. That's not good words. Uh, anyways, while you're there at Subway picking up these buffalo... While you're there picking up these buffalo chip chips, you can get yourself the new Subway Baja Steak and Jack Sub. And smother it with that sweet, nasty peppercorn ranch that they got. Like I, uh... Like I alluded to not reporting on last week. And hey, as a as a second dessert, in case the in case your spicy buffalo chip chips are not satisfying for you, if you want something sweet, you can get their new caramel apple cookies. So uh There's that for you. And now, for the moment you've all been waiting for. This week's Snack Review. This week, I am continuing with Glico Products. And I have in my hand the next entry in the Midnight Snacks Pretz line. And like I said last week, Pretz is basically the stick part of Pocky, except because there's no cream on it, it has a wider range of possible flavors. And last week, I did the 13 flavor shrimp, and it was the worst snack I've ever tasted because I hate seafood. But if you like shrimp, if you like seafood in general, remember I said you would adore that. And I only bring it up to summarize because every time I think about last week's episode, I just keep telling myself that I did it bad and that I, I kind of went a little too hard on the I hate fish and a little too light on the actually reviewing the snacks part that is the podcast. So, for like the millionth time, I'm going to apologize to all you fishy lovers out there that last week's episode was so... <laughs> last week's episode wasn't up your stream. That's a saying. I didn't make that up. That's a real saying. 
You might not have heard it, but I promise it's a real saying. Anyways, this week, the entry that I have in the Midnight Snack line is Roasted Lamb Skewer Flavor. I'm going to start off with the nutrition facts because I have it converted right in front of me. One box is one box is one serving and one serving is 41 grams because that's how that's how Glico does it. One serving is 194 calories. 5.2 grams of protein. 8.2 grams of fat, zero of which is saturated. 23.2 grams of carbohydrates, 3.1 of which is dietary fiber. And 287 milligrams of sodium. For comparison, that's a teensy teensy, that's 0.2 grams less protein than the shrimp, 0.1 grams fiber, 0.1 grams of fat less than the shrimp, 0.1 more grams than the of carbs than last week, but 0.2 grams more of fiber. And 40, 40, yeah, 40 less milligrams of sodium than the shrimp. And I only have those numbers because I had the, the box still. The box was on my desk. That whole bit was like really grammatically weird, right? That was really, my grammar was really bad in that part. So like, I hope you understood what I was go what I was trying to communicate, even though the syntax was bad. It was a sin tax, but that that wasn't good enough for me to download a real rimshot sound effect. I'm gonna settle for making the sound with my mouth because that joke wasn't good enough. So the lamb skewer flavor just like the shrimp flavor we have on the left some pretz sticks on the top right we have a picture of a couple lamb skewers and the bottom right we have in big faux neon writing midnight snack and roasted lamb skewer flavor with that out of the way, because it's a pretty simplistic box and style, with that out of the way, time to tear it open. Three weeks later. And opening it took longer than it should have because famously I am bad at opening bags. All right, I have it open and I took a big old whiff. I took a big sniff, deep old nose breath and as you can already tell from the fact that I'm not gagging and throwing up onto my mic this week, it doesn't smell terrible. It smells like cumin. Cumin. Cumin, cumin, cumin. C-U-M-I-N. That wonderful, delicious spice that everyone yells at me for how I pronounce. I've been told it's 
all three of those actually, cumin, cumin, and cumin. And so I'm just gonna interchange them. Every time I say it, it's gonna be different. It smells very strongly of cumin, which I'm a big fan of cumin. It's probably my favorite spice. So, mm, big fan. I love how this smells already. But, I guess now it's time for me to taste it, huh? Later. All right. The snack master's back from the dining table, so to say. And I can tell you, these are really good. Um, they're not my favorite ever. Because it doesn't really taste like lamb skewer at all, you know? It's, it just tastes like... It was flavored. It just tastes like crackers that were flavored with the spices that you use. So it's not really like last week, the shrimp. It tasted like they cooked these things in shrimp. It tasted like I was eating little sticks of shrimp. The roasted lamb skewer flavor, it just tastes like spices. It's good. I love the spice combination. It's pretty clearly cumin, chili powder, and I detect a little bit of paprika. Just a little bit, which is kind of interesting. And I'm sure that there are more subtle spices in there, but those are the, those are the strong three flavors. And of course, sodium, um, salt, MSG, but there's no meat taste. There's no lamb. So while these are delicious, technically they are a failure of the flavor. You know, the shrimp, I hated the shrimp, but they were a success in the flavor. They were an objective 100%. They nailed the taste. These lamb skewer flavors, delicious, I love it, but an abject failure. So it's kind of an interesting conundrum, but I mean 100% I recommend these. If you see these, if you, if you go to like a Asian grocery store and you see a box of pretz with like in the top right corner, the lamb skewers on it, then 100% go for these. They, it is delicious, I love these. I'm probably going to, as soon as I finish recording, I'm gonna finish eating these while I continue to watch the monstrosity that is Riverdale. Oh my God. I'm on season three of Riverdale and it is the most chaotic, messy show I've ever seen. Every scene feels like improv. Season one is like a slow burn murder mystery. Who killed Jason Blossom? Oh. By the way, before I, before I go any further, this feels absolutely nothing like Archie Comics. It 
the characters have the names of the Archie characters, and that's it. Season 1 is like a normal, real slow, basic teen drama with a sprinkling of murder mystery to keep you hooked. And it's like, whatever. Season 2, there's a serial killer on the loose, except he only kills one person for the first, like, three quarters of the season. And then all of a sudden, they're like, he kills like three people, and then there are like two or three other unrelated deaths on screen. There are a few off-screen murders, but we know who did those. Um, I'm not gonna give any spoilers for, you know, this season that came out in like 2017 of this chaotic show that I can't recommend anyone watches, but Hiram Lodge Veronica Lodge's dad, yeah, Veronica, one of the two women, one of the two most famous comic book non-superhero women of all time, the other, of course, being Betty, her dad is a Scooby-Doo villain, literally, Scooby-Doo villains, they... Well, I guess he's one step removed from a Scooby-Doo villain. Because the Scooby-Doo villains, they themselves dress up as monsters and go around and terrorize places in order to lower the real estate value so that they can buy up the land. Hiram Lodge, Veronica Lodge's father, he hires someone else to terrorize the land to drive down property values so that he can buy all of the real estate in an area for his nefarious purposes. So he's a Scooby-Doo villain, except he takes a slightly more indirect role. He hires other people to be the monsters. And I mean, sometimes it's just simple murder, sometimes they literally dress up in costumes to go out and terrorize. Ah, uh, but that's really fun. Jughead Jones, famous burger-loving asexual, best friend to Archie Andrews. He gets it on with Betty. He and Betty Cooper never stop doing it. And I would use more vulgar words, but if I just if I'm not explicit in my wording, then I have to do less editing. So, this is this is more for me. Uh, yeah, so Jughead does it. Jughead gets it on. Jughead gets busy. And sometimes he eats. Like, every now and again. Every, like, nine or ten episodes, they're like, Hey, Jughead, you hungry? And he's like, Oh, you never have to ask me that, because remember? Remember Jughead Jones loves burgers? Remember that, everyone? That's a character trait? Alright, now, I'm never going to be seen eating again. He's weird. He's a weirdo. He doesn't fit in. And he doesn't want to fit in. Have you ever seen him without this stupid hat? Now that's weird. God, the show's iconically bad. 
Uh, Betty finds... This happens pretty early in the season, I think. Betty finds her half-brother, who is definitely a sociopath. And, um, let's see. I don't want to spoil things too much, just in case anyone still wants to watch Riverdale. Or I've made them want to watch Riverdale. But, I will say, it's a major plot point that, like, it's brought up and hammered in in the first five minutes and then every single episode after that. That the Black Hood, ha the serial killer, the Black Hood, has green eyes. And a little bit over halfway through the season, someone suddenly, without, you know, fanfare drawn to it, just very subtly, very in the background, suddenly their eye color changes. Because the, the writers realized they didn't actually have a solution. I'm... I'm serious. They realized they didn't actually know who was the Black Hood. They didn't know who was the serial killer. They didn't have this set up. Or if they did, then they changed their mind. And they changed it. Like, halfway, three-quarters of the way through the season. So, that's really fun. Uh, just take a look at everyone's eyes. About at the start of the show and about halfway through season two. Um, I've just started season three, but... The plot lines. Oh my god. What? What the hell is this show? What is this show? How do they expect us to take anything at all seriously? The, the four plot lines that are going on. I guess, I guess technically right now there are only three plot lines. Because each of the four main characters has their own stories. Oh yeah, I forgot to men mention. Uh... Jughead's plot in Season 2 was a gang war. Jughead leads a gang war. Like, four times. Um, this season... Archie's in prison for murder. Veronica... is... in a turf war. Uh, a real estate war. Back to the Scooby-Doo basics. With her dad. Her dad, by the way, keeps sending her drugs because he owns the police department now. And, like, every day he's sending drugs and gang members, rival gang members, not Jughead's gang, uh, the, the bad gang, the bad guys. He keeps sending them and the cops over to Veronica's latest property purchase. Which, I mean, she's underage, so I don't know how she's legally allowed to, but whatever. Um, he keeps sending drugs and the cops and gang members over to her property. And she keeps trying to get rid of it all, while also playing clean, because she wants to have a clean, legitimate business, but also playing dirty so that she can have blackmail on her on her dad so that he leaves her and her friends alone. 
Speaking of her friends, Betty and Jughead are playing D&D and they accidentally summon the Gargoyle King, who I think is going to end up being a real person in town. But right now, all we know is that it's a malevolent entity that forces the players at some point to choose one of the two chalices before them. One is filled with cyanide, the other is filled with, I guess, blue Gatorade. Because your lips turn blue when you drink. Your lips turn blue when you drink from either one, but if you drink from the cyanide one, then you die. Unless, of course, the plot demands that you don't die yet, in which case you can drink an entire glass of cyanide and be totally fine, but your lips still turn blue, but you know that the only way that you know if someone has played is if their lips are... I'm trying... If you can't tell, I'm working this out as I talk. I'm on, like... I just finished episode 4, the 80s flashback episode. So, the when you drink out of either chalice, your lips turn blue, regardless of what was actually in there because sometimes it's the goblin king or the gargoyle king or the spirit of the forest or what the hell ever um by the way he's like an eight foot tall wendigo looking thing um sometimes the gargoyle goblin king ma makes he fills the chalices with the blue liquid and one of them with cyanide. But sometimes it's just someone who played the game. Which, by the way, whenever they have a game master present, the game master is also playing actively. Like they have their own character playing, whether they're playing with one person or a whole table of people. So, like, that's kind of not really how most D&D campaigns work. The Game Master tends to have a little bit more... When you have, when you have like, eight people playing, the GM doesn't need to play themselves. Especially when it's on a pre-written Railroads campaign. They don't really have to... Anyways. But sometimes it's the... Wendigo King, sometimes it's the GM who has who fills and prepares the chalices, but the GM also drinks from the chalice that isn't chosen because the choice is only presented like when each player is individual like when they're alone and separated by whatever reason. Like the player, not the characters. Um but there's no... You drink so that you can know if you're chosen by the Wendigo King or not. And if you... If you drink the cyanide... If you pick the wrong one and you drink the cyanide, then you die. 
which is called Ascending, because you're chosen by the Wendigoon to join him in his realm. But if you drink the right one, then that's because you're, ch you're chosen because you are, you're supposed to keep, you're supposed to play again, you're supposed to be the GM for someone else, because you get, no matter how against it you are to begin with, you get mind controlled and like absorbed into it, like, spoilers, Jughead plays and he's like, oh man, this whole thing is so dumb. And he drinks from the not poison chalice and then at the end of the episode he's hosting for like a couple other people and he's super into it now and but in the first episode when when the whole D&D &D thing is presented the two nerds that are playing by the way, if you remember, if you've ever read Archie comics and you remember Dilton Doily, um, he's now a Boy Scout slash right wing nationalist. But also in this season, he just gets super into D and D, and then dies in a forest ritual. That's that just happens in episode one of season three. He shows up like four times in the entire series. The first time, he's a wit, he's a witness to Jason Blossom's murder. The second time he's a right-wing nationalist teaching eight-year-olds how to use firearms the third time he's in a gang war and stabs himself with his own knife because he's an idiot and then his final time is he's playing D&D &D at Pop's Diner I mean I guess technically his corpse is at the end of the is at the end of season three episode one because he's he and his friend are naked in the forest with runes carved into their back around a stone altar with a replica of the Wendigo King in the center of it, but Tilton Doily was playing with another nobody kid named Ben Button, and they both survived the initial playing, but then they're both supposed to have drank from the chalice, allegedly, but they're both alive. And Dilton Doily dies from his injuries, like he's already dead in the forest. And Benjamin Button, oh my god, is that his real name? Like the curious case of? Oh my god, I did not actually, there's no way. I have to be remembering that wrong. Oh my god, anyways. Benjamin Button isn't poisoned. Neither of them are poisoned, but also both of them are poisoned. And he survives. He's in the hospital. And then Betty and Jughead go investigate the underground nuclear bunker that they were playing in. And they find an eight-year-old who is playing with them and who is waiting for Dilton to return, but Dilton's dead, and the kid doesn't believe him, and then that's the last we ever see of the kid. So, like, whatever. Um, I mean, he's not still in the bunker, because Jughead and Betty have sex in there every night for, you know. In the same episode, like, a span of a good two months jumps by, and they're in there literally every night having sex, talking about 
Oh, should we start playing D&D to find out what's happening? Oh no, it's too dangerous. Okay. And then they have sex again. But Benjamin Button jumps out a window and kills himself? Because he wants to go... He wants to ascend and join Dilton. And people are starting to have seizures randomly because there's a cult that just moved into town. And... It's such a chaotic mess. I am trying to... Like, when you watch it, you're just like, Oh man, what is happening? But right now, you can tell probably from my voice and how labored everything is. It is just so... When you try to think about it and understand and piece together what's actually happening and why things are happening, it's so psychotic. Betty watches her older sister and her mom drop her sister's twin children into a fire, and then they start floating. And then Betty has a seizure. And we're supposed to care that Archie is in an underground... Archie's in an illegal underground boxing ring in the prison that Veronica's dad owns? I don't... It's supposed to be like a whole big interconnected story or whatever. And occasionally they'll remind us that they're in high school. Like, oh yeah, home. I want, I, want, I want to go to homecoming with Archie. Archie got his nose broken in an underground boxing ring by your father, Veronica. Figure out what's happening in your own life. So all of that chaos is happening. And then... Like, once an episode, we'll see something happen with Kevin. Kevin Keller, who is, as introduced in the first episode, the gay best friend stereotype. That's his entire character, is he's gay. He has no interests, he has no hobbies, unless they serve to introduce another character into the scene. All of a sudden, when Archie joins wrestling in order to earn Veronica's dad's respect in season two. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, Kevin's been wrestling his entire life. He's really good at it. He's never wrestled before. He never wrestles after. It's never mentioned. It's just everything's really weird. But like, we'll have a scene where Archie watches someone get shot in the back of the head. And then we'll cut to Jughead and Betty confronting their parents, who then tell them about, you know, a murder that happened in the high school 30 years ago. And then suddenly we cut to Kevin talking to Moose, another, another, obviously, he, it's a, it's a guy. It's not, it's not an actual Moose. Kevin is talking to Moose in high school in the Rotsy Club, because Moose is still in the closet, and Kevin isn't anymore, and they were friends, quote-unquote friends, over the summer, but now that school started again and they're in public a lot more, Kevin wants to keep seeing Moose, but Moose is still in the closet, and Kevin isn't comfortable with that and I'm gonna stop talking about Riverdale now 
because this cannot be fun to listen to. And honest to God, I have such a vicious headache now. I just like flashed back through 40 episodes of Riverdale trying to understand what's happening and it just it hurts now I have a headache what even was I talking about before this uh pretz lamb skewer flavor is really good if you like the spices that go on meat. If you like cumin, if you like just a little bit of spice, but like the good spice, the flavorful spice, not the so hot that it only hurts and doesn't taste like anything spice, this is the good heat. The good spicy cumin, a little bit of paprika, a little bit of salt. That's what the lamb skewer pretz tastes like, and it's really good. And I recommend that you eat it, and I'm going to take an ibuprofen and just close my eyes and, like, listen to a guided meditation or something. Because if I think about Riverdale anymore today, I might actually die. And that'll do it for us today. I'd like to once again thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Snacks 71.6. I sincerely appreciate each and every last one of you. All of my listeners, all of my special guest reporters, all of the friends and family of my listeners, even if they themselves don't listen. Just the fact that they support my audience is enough for me to support them. And... I want to say this week that you, my loving audience, should share this episode with your local shepherd. Find a shepherd near you and show them don't show them that's insane this is an audio medium play for them this episode and let them listen to me talk about a snack that's supposed to taste like their beloved animal but instead does not I think they might maybe take solace in that maybe Possibly? I would take solace in you sharing it, though. And I would also take solace in a nice, sweet, tasty, crisp five-star review, and a like, and a subscribe, and a, um, uh, there aren't any other metrics for podcasts, are there? I don't know. Share this on your Twitter timeline, I guess. I think that's a metric. I don't know. Whatever. All I know is it's almost time for the most wonderful time of the year. But first we must get through the most spooky time of year. And with that, 
stay happy, stay healthy, stay spooky.